listening to Not Another Origin Story, the podcast that celebrates or destroys comic book movie adaptions. I'm your host, Pogues, and I'm joined by John Travolta stand-in, Ben Chapman. Oh boy. Um, I wish I didn't start as many podcasts with this sort of exasperated sigh, but here we are yet again. Yeah, I feel like I, I did a good job picking a, a Marvel movie to put in the crosshairs as uh, we've been sort of harsh on DC for a couple of episodes. It is strange that after Catwoman you said, let's do a good one next time, and then you texted me, we're doing Punisher. So you're a mysterious, you know, you're a mysterious contrarian man. That's what happens when you can't do a mini-episode, I just <laughs> pick a piece of shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I this might have been payback for the whole Catwoman thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't let that ever happen again because I just watched Thomas Jane eat dinner with a bunch of strangers for oh, boy, 20 this minutes. Movie, this movie has some very interesting scenes Well, because I do not care for. <laughs> two things to bring up right away. One is that, uh, as always, I just watched the film, <laughs> so I'm coming fresh and angry off of my viewing of, uh, of this, this week's chosen film. And second, if it sounds like I'm uh, recording uh, my voice to you from a cave, it's because I've just finally uh, built, put my desk and computer together in my new home. So I'm in a very empty office that is very echoey. Um, <laughs> and is actually a cave. We yeah. moved into a nice cave. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's a three-bedroom. You know, I thought the whole bat cave thing would be you know, pretty easy. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, no, no toilets. A lot of bats, and they are very loud, and they are very angry. And they are stuck in your wife's hair. And I have no butler, so I uh, I underestimated this. Well, you live and learn, as they say. Mm. That's let's true. Just, let's hop right into this real quick. Uh, we don't have a guest this week because I failed in getting one. Oh! Uh, entirely my fault. I just, I waited, to, I watched this movie last night. I was really far behind, despite... Being the person who picked the movie, I <laughs> I didn't do a good job. So real quick, I'm just going to say, this movie cost $33 million, mm-hmm. which to me seems like a lot. But I, the director wanted $64 million. <laughs> And I just, in my mind, I'm like, what, what could he possibly have needed $64 million for? Supposedly there's a bunch cut out of the movie. I don't know. It's... Unless he replaced it with garbage, I still don't think it would have been worth sixty-four million, especially because the film grossed domestically thirty-three point eight million, and worldwide was only fifty-four million. It is startling that this film got a sequel, even if it was a very under-publicized sequel. Uh, this came in at number ninety-four on our list of comic book movie adaptions, adjusted for inflation. It goes to ninety-eight. Seems high. (laughs) Uh, And then real quick, this is just something that I I was reading some IMDb stuff today, and uh, this was one of the taglines. And I I hope that it was from another country and they just didn't mention it because it says, on April 16th, one man fights for justice, natural justice. I don't know what the fuck that means. What is natural natural justice? (laughs) And it's all in caps. So it's like justice natural justice but i'm like i don't know what that means <laughs> that's just like a bad trans. there must be a different country it's a bad translation i hope so because i was like maybe it's like from like an asian country and yeah natural justice it's gonna have like- a big title just as punish guy and then uh, you know it's, it's gonna be a, just a bad translation of the film i hope because usually they tell you it's from another country and it did not this time uh also <laughs> 
I don't do this very much anymore, but uh, this movie is somewhat crazy because it came out in 2004. Rebecca Romaine Stamos had already played Mystique in the first X-Men movie, which came out in 2000. Mm-hmm. And Ben Foster, who plays the next-door neighbor with all the stuff in his mouth, he ends up being uh, Warren Worthington III in the X-Men Last Stand. Huh. So I did not know that until uh, last night I was eating dinner with the, the guys from Roma Collectibles, Aaron and Cousin Kenny, and Kenny pointed it out to me. So he listens to the show, so I'll give him a little a little shout-out for pointing that out. That's kind of crazy to me that they were like, bring him back. Who cares? <laughs> Don't forget the Punisher happened. Yeah, it seems most of Marvel tends to forget the Punisher happened. It's really, it's like a, it ends up being like this sort of bad Taken kind of like like action film that doesn't doesn't touch the comic enough or touch the character well enough, so people just sort of pretend it's not around. Which I'm I'm glad they do, because <laughs> <laughs> it is bad, folks. Uh. What's your what's your connection with the Punisher, Benjamin? Uh, so I've read a fair amount of them, but I have a hard time calling myself a fan. Um, I don't. I, I'm not able to recall a lot of Punisher lore with a lot of efficiency. Uh, and I've just read. I, I'm mostly familiar with the Punisher because I am a big Spider-Man fan, and he shows up in Spider-Man comics a lot. He, he he's origin. His original appearance was in a Spider-Man comic, uh, Hunting Spider-Man, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, so I know him. I know him from his Marvel character, which is bizarre because this is nothing like that character. <laughs> this is no. more like the Garthiness reboot uh, in the, yes. the the 2000s or the like the late 90s. I can't remember. Uh, in fact, it was like the early 2000s. Welcome it's back it's directly back. built from uh, Welcome Back, Punisher, mostly. Which is yeah. What's crazy is is that Garth Ennis run is sort of like a lampooning of yeah. the Punisher. It's like hyper violent. The stories are just asinine in their ridiculousness, and it's sort of like they were just like just do whatever you want. Nobody's reading the Punisher. Like nobody really cares. Right. So he just makes up all this crazy stuff, and I'm like, that's what they chose to base the movie on is sort of the mockery of the. That type of comic. That's series. the weirdest thing. Yeah, it's exactly that. Because there is a lot of Punisher in the uh, 80s and 90s. So much so that they burn him out. I think at some point he was hunting demons or something. Like he oh, yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, they pushed him way too gotta, far. <laughs> but and, uh, I, I read. Like, I was a fan of. I read all of Garth Ennis's run of the Punisher from the stupid reboot. Uh, to the, like the serious take on the Punisher, which was actually like really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I quite enjoyed that that run uh, where they really he really plays the Punisher as just like a guy who just kills people who are criminals and like he has like no remorse <laughs> for what he does. Really summed it up there. Really boxed well, like, it up. I mean, like he'll like in, <laughs> in one memorable issue, he's trying to find out there's like a somebody's running like a child prostitution bordello and bringing in these little girls from Russia. And he wants to find out where they are, and the guy won't tell him, so he knocks him unconscious and cuts open his stomach and then pulls his intestines out, but doesn't pull them all the way out, and he just hooks them up to a bunch of trees because they're out in the woods, and the guy wakes up, and his intestines are just stretched out, and he's like, if you tell me what I want to know, there's a chance you could still live. You know, you could put your intestines back in and get out of here, and the guy tells him, and the Punisher then is just like, thanks, and shoots him in the face. 
So it's sort of like you're like, oh, fuck. Yes, it's like you're like, that's right. The Punisher is sort of a badass. Yeah. This is not that Punisher. This is no. a Punisher who lucks into most of his kills. Well, uh, well, here's the confusion. What happened is is the the writer director uh, Jonathan Hensley Hens Hensley. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, he wrote, uh, d- didn't direct, but he wrote Die Hard with a Vengeance, which yes. is weird because I actually like that movie a lot. <laughs> he actually wrote a couple of decent films. Yeah, he, he's quite he's quite an accomplished screenwriter. Um, uh, but he doesn't he hasn't he doesn't direct a lot. This is one of his two movies he's directed, so I think maybe that might be an issue. Anyway, the, but the biggest issue is he takes from two comics. He takes from Punisher Year One and Punisher. Oh, welcome back, Punisher. Um, Punisher Year One is fucking grisly. It's it's the grim, dark, intense, super super hardcore Punisher. And then, like you said, Welcome Back, Punisher is like making fun of that exact thing. So yeah, yeah, it's a real. It's yeah. It's, it's confusing, and it's confusing. You can see it on the screen because. At times, he's like I think Thomas Jane does an incredible job for some parts of this movie. Uh, specifically, when he's disagree. Okay, well, let me get this out. Not to jump ahead, but specifically when he's like chasing after his wife and son, and he gets to them, and they're like dead. Like, I thought that was a really awesome scene. Like he plays it incredibly well, and I think he's playing that like that brooding really well for a few minutes. <laughs> In the beginning of that movie. But then it starts becoming a script that's making fun of the Punisher. And he doesn't really, like, change. He's still, like, intense and, like, and like one note. So all those sort of, like, goofy lines come off, like, the most awkward, misplaced thing of all time. It's super yeah, uncomfortable in, to watch. He's in Nolan's Batman. Yeah. And everybody else is in Adam West's Batman. <laughs> yeah. And he just doesn't know it. That's exactly it. He's Travolta's at like eleven. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in, in like the craziness department of just like I'm just gonna play this however I feel like today. It doesn't matter. It, it, it feels like Nick. Uh, it feels like um, uh, he is doing a impression of Nicolas Cage doing a villain. It's yeah, he's like he's stuck in the face off like after he did yeah. The... Yes, exactly. Mr. Troy, that's when he's just still doing that. And, like, the Punisher, or Thomas Jane, is delivering lines with this, like, yeah, like you said, like a Batman kind of, like, intense Christopher Nolan, like, hardcore delivery, like, almost almost flatline monotone. But he's, like, making quips about his own dead family, and it's really strange and misplaced. Yeah, the whole, there's just a lot in this which you're just like, I don't this is and then what's insane is i was reading some stuff where like the writer took out they originally going to have uh microchip his the guy who mm. like gives the punisher intelligence yeah the famous they were gonna have him in the in the thing and uh the writer was like nah he's a really dumb character but, but you're like but, but we're going to keep the... we're going to keep spacker spacker dave <laughs> yeah and bumbo who just walks around singing opera <laughs> And carries like a rolling pin. I was like, "Oh, is he right. fat?" I, you guys hadn't made that clear. Yeah, yet. you hadn't made that very, very clear. Where he, he's eating in every scene. Anyway, let's. I just want to be clear to those of you who haven't seen the Punisher. The Punisher begins with an R-rated level murder, and then it is insane that this movie is R-rated too, because yeah. there is almost no blood in the entire movie. True, but but conceptually, it is a gruesome brutal scene as children and grandparents well, are, are done quick, down. let's just start from the very okay. beginning yeah get too far let's this jump into started it started with something which i found 
I think is is a prevalence in bad movies, which is when they show the name of a city that you're 100% sure where it's located, and then a few seconds later they tell you where it's at. Like, it said Tampa, dot, 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 Florida. It's like, okay, there's only <laughs> one Tampa. I don't think anybody else was like, Tampa, you know, Vancouver. Tampa, oh, no, dot, okay. dot, dot, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, uh. And then the movie starts with a shot of Thomas Jane in flip-flops. Yep. And basically a suit from the set of uh, Miami Vice. Yep. And he's doing what he thinks is a Russian accent. No, I think it's supposed to be German, like Otto. I think that's supposed to be like a oh, German that accent. Supposed, uh, that, then never mind, he fails even more. No, it's, it's, bad, on, it's bad on whatever. It, it could be a Ukrainian accent. None of, none of it lands. It, yeah, it, it is like a, an improv actor uh, being told to, to be European uh, a second before the camera starts rolling and yeah, just giving and, it a shot. And his only knowledge of European people is Borat. <laughs> yeah. Or or the villain from Die Hard with a Vengeance, whose hook, line, and sinka line is always my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I think this director's like, trademark on IMDb is... Actually, it's not that bad. The ending just is really dumb. I think IMDb's, like, you know, they always have, like, director, director, like, uh, 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 trends that these directors always have. I think this guy's is just a vague understanding of what Europeans are like. That's his, that's his pastiche. All of his knowledge of Europeans is from, like, <laughs> 90s sketch comedy. Yeah, it's just a blur. <laughs> it's just kind of a blur. Well, they're at this gun sale, and the guy shows up, and it's the dude who's the tech guy from Ocean's Eleven. Which oh, yeah. I was like, okay, wow, yeah. thank God he, he got work after this. But he wants to, like, when they agree to the deal, he goes to not shake the gun dealer's hands. He wants to seal the deal with, like, a high five. Did you notice that? Yeah, like all mobsters do. Lo- love their like, high fives. really bizarre. Then we, you know, uh, spoilers, <laughs> Thomas Jane, the Punisher, is the guy with the bad Russian accent. He pulls a gun so he can be fake shot. Yep. Why the hell did John Travolta's son pull a gun? Um, what was his end game? Panic, I think. Uh, and, are you, and John Travolta's son, you mean um, the third Franco brother? Because I don't know if you've thought this, but I felt that guy looked like a, a lost like Dave Franco brother. Because he's, I did not think that because I didn't even pay enough attention to know who he was. Such Franco face going on. I'm just, I, I just kept referring to him in my notes as Ted Franco. I just made him decide that he was the third Franco brother. Are you are you talking about the brother who's still alive or the one who gets shot? Well, I think it's the same actor. They look the same, but they do look vaguely the same. Except it's one probably has the like same a, actor. A, a bad like a mustache, Ricky Ramon uh, mustache. <laughs> yeah, like like a high school sophomore mustache. Yeah, like any and two. He's dressed that you think any moment he's going to start doing like the Cuban Pete thing. Every one of this character is is almost almost racist Italian is, is is the design here. At some point, when the Punisher busts in on a bunch of people like counting cash, one of them's literally just making pasta sauce and eating it. Like he doesn't have food around him; he's just eating pasta sauce off. Of yeah, pasta, which apparently wasn't even warm because it gets thrown in his face, and he's more like, "Huh." <laughs> uh, just... <laughs> anyways, the the stupid plot unfolds. The Punisher fakes his own death. He's given a farewell party, he leaves, and uh, his family is going to move to London, but first they're going to go to Puerto Rico for a family uh, family reunion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know when you get all 40 of your family members together in Puerto Rico? Yeah, I was going to say, a very expensive family reunion. 
but in between this scene, uh, we have uh, they go back and we meet John Travolta, who is introduced like when they come up to his house. They're playing like basically the Imperial March, like it's like the most evil sounding <laughs> yeah, theme music I've ever heard. And he's in the Scarface set, uh, that 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 one mansion they use for all the villains in every movie. And his wife faints, but it's, like, the best faint because you can't really tell what's going on. All of a sudden, just a person, like, almost falls out of the frame. Like, because they yeah. just, like... Fall, it looks oh. like an accident, yeah. Um, uh, then, the... later at the club, uh, we're introduced to his henchman, who says that he doesn't want to kill the tech guy from Ocean's Eleven, because I can't remember his name, uh, because he says, I don't want the karma for killing a little shit like you. Uh-huh, yeah. That's the thing you say. I, I, is it? <laughs> is that what middle-aged white mobsters with handlebar mustache say? In I don't know. I don't know. But what, what I do want to talk about is 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 the family reunion because that's that's that that's a peak scene for me. Yeah. All right. First, we get an introduction to his family, in which I don't know. I was watching this on uh, a Chromecast to a TV from Netflix. And it was like doing that thing where it like goes in and out of good like high def and sure. Stuff, you know? And it went out during this scene, but it looked as though Roy Schneider was like orange. Like he looked so dark compared to everybody else in that shot. I was almost like, ah, oh, this feels like almost racist. He just looks. I don't know. It must have just been the standard <laughs> definition, but he looked so much darker. It was so out of place. And then there's this really awkward line about the the fishing guy. They're like, he's a witch doctor. I was like, yeah, that, oh boy, that's... That really threw me off. They, 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 this man and his son are swimming, and they come they come ashore, and they're walking along the beach with, I guess, his grandparents, and his, his dad is like, that dude's a witch doctor, and he just looks like a dude getting a boat ready to, like, go out. Yeah, like, yeah he looks like a guy who fishes. I just wanted to be like, uh, Grandpa? That's super racist. Yeah, because, I mean, we should it's have mentioned just... the man is an African-American, so it's yep. somewhat racist when they're like... He's like he's I, think, I, think he's just, I think he's just fishing. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think he's a witch doctor. You know, a thing that's not around. <laughs> and we don't really... They, I guess that's supposed to... Are we supposed to assume that that's how he heals Frank Castle's wounds? I guess so, but you don't ever see that sequence. Like, Frank Castle just reemerges post-murder in, like... Like like a, a Robinson Crusoe outfit, like like no shirt, giant beard, and yeah. just and, and the witch doctor. But not just that like, big of a beard. Yeah, just kind of a beard, and the witch doctor just like, all right, well, I did you know the 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 weird magic black guy stuff that I do that movies think that they seem to think that I that, that it is crazy. Black too, people he can just do. Like throws back the cane and he's like, good luck, Frank. He's like, yeah, it's like thanks. Guy saved your life. Like he could be a little more thankful. But but we're skipping over the massive murder. And I, I want to when I watched this scene, Sarah happened to be in the room assembling some furniture behind me, and she had never seen this film, um, and she was just like mumbling, "Jesus Christ!" Because, like you said, there is no blood, but conceptually, this sequence is uh, intense. This sequence is insane because it is a family reunion, like it could only happen in a movie. Yeah. Like, there are so many people in Puerto Rico at this person's house. It has to be conservatively 50 people. And, and it's, least. yeah, and it's Women like. Women and children. It's like grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles in Hawaiian shirts hanging out, 
kids being bored. Like, I immediately pictured myself being in a family reunion and being like, oh, I just want to go inside and watch TV like this. And then you just get gunned down. And then you just get gunned down. Man, what a fucking weekend. There's a couple crazy things, real quick, before we get into this. Sure. Uh, First off, uh, I I just want to hop back for one second. When John Travolta was in the morgue uh, identifying his dead child, did you feel like him touching him and kissing him was like in light of all the things that have come out with John Travolta and his sort of touchy feelingness now? Do you think that was like all improvised? Like he was like, I'm just going to keep touching this guy. <laughs> I want to rewatch it and see if the actor playing the dead guy squirms. Just like, come on, John, stop, stop it. Now, not the script. Uh, this is also uh, his wife is introduced after the funeral because they say they found out uh, who, who, who the undercover cop was. And there's this big thing where they won't show her face. And then they're like, wait. And she lifts up her veil and she's like, kill his whole family. And it's supposed to be like a big reveal, but I'm like, I don't know who you are. You're not like a famous actress. And there's nothing like physically wrong with you to make the. I, mean, I did not understand why they had to have her face. It was just a weird. It was like, a distracting it was like a sequence. Of yeah. yeah, you were just like, you just revealed an ordinary looking human being yeah. who is apparently a, like a psychopath. But now they find out the undercover cop, which I guess there was a story, a storyline that was cut out of the movie in which uh, his black cop friend turned him in. This movie is not really kind to black people. No, it isn't. Um, They're traitors or witch doctors, apparently. The only two things they can be. <laughs> God. Uh, we also get the scene where his son gives Frank Castle the Punisher shirt, which he's been like sleeping on. That was like in a brown paper bag. Yeah, he's like this one was real intense, and he has like the delivery of uh, Jake Lloyd from Yeah, it's, Phantom Menace. I, I hate kid like actors it. almost like eighty percent of the time, and he's a prime example. Just ba- phoning in a, a lines, just doing the bare minimum of remembering what to say, and that's about it. Yeah, he just was like, "Oh, Dad, come here. I bought you a shirt. It's shamanistic, kinda." Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to keep away bad spirits. It's really intense. And it and it's not going to work because you're about to all get murdered. Well, and um, then he goes to see his dad who starts talking. He's like, in what has to be one of the many extremely clunky lines of dialogue in this is when he's like, wow, what did you do to your Colt 911s? Did you update? Did you modify them? And he's like, you could say that. And then he just like reads like a catalog description. And you're like, wait. You took vintage Colt 1911s and just, like, shit them up? Like, could you just bought a reproduction? Why would you take a classic gun and then just put a bunch of crap on it? I put I put some racing stripes on them. Uh, this one has a glowing handle. It's pretty sick. Yeah, it's just, like, insane that they have this conversation. Then when the shootout starts, neither one of them grabs the automatic weapons. They both take double-barrel shotguns. Yeah. The slowest to reload weapon of any any weapon in that room. They pick the one that's really hard to reload. This movie also fucking loves shotguns. Because that sequence, they have shotguns. Like, a bunch of the guys coming in have shotguns. Like, a bunch of... Like, almost most of the bad guys for the rest of the movie have shotguns. I don't know why this director... Maybe it's, just, maybe it's like, the cheapest really uh, gun you can buy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's the cheapest prop. But now, as, as the massacre begins... Um, Two people are are shown. Two two family members are shown making pretty lame attempts at escaping. You mean the guy on the motorcycle? Well, so the I guy feel like was killed just for trying to ride that moped. The guy on the motorcycle tries to take off, but when he's only like four feet from a bunch of bad guys, so that was a bad call. But worse off is the dude in the catamaran. 
Oh, yeah. Well, it just felt like they were just shooting people in and around the area. No, that guy seemed to be moving away from the beach. And well, that... he also seemed to just be standing up like he was unaware people had guns. Yeah, they, it suggested that that was somebody who was leaving the beach. So, family member or not, it was someone who heard gunfire. He's like, well, I better sail away at breakneck speeds. <laughs> he makes it like... Why did that scene make it in the movie? They, they just show this guy just on a catamaran, like, two feet out in the water, and standing up, just getting shot. And then, like, person, the person doesn't even, like, look. They just sort of shoot him, just to keep yeah, rolling. Yeah, it's just, like, everybody's, like, nonchalantly shooting them. And for some reason, all of the hitmen are dressed in black t-shirts and black pants. And, like, black tank tops. Yeah. Yeah, but for even though they're coming up in the middle of broad daylight on a sunny beach. So it's not yeah. like they're, like, trying to blend in. They all just, for some reason, dress the same. And uh, I did watch this movie with my brother, and he pointed out what could be another trope of uh, bad superhero movies. Did you notice the vast majority of members of this man's gang were in their late 40s to early 60s? Yeah. <laughs> like, they are, some of them are prohibitively old to be hitmen. That's, that's pretty – There's one guy later on in the movie, when you see him, you're like, that guy is – that guy's like a retiree <laughs> who just became a hitman hit afterwards. Yeah. Like he just wanted to stay busy after he retired. <laughs> it reminded me of the Joker's gang in the the first Batman. When remember that there's that guy who looks like he's in his seventies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as the scene wraps, uh, Punisher is 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 killed, so to speak. Yeah. After his family tries to make a run for it, he chases them, but then disappears. Like it takes him like an extra twenty minutes to catch up to them, even though it seems like he should be right behind them. Uh, they get driven over, which is pretty harsh, and like he runs out onto that dock. Where the fuck was that truck at? That dock, I don't mean to point, spend too much time on it because it's not a relevant sequence, but I had the same thought. The dock seems to turn and then go back to land. Like it's like a bridge? I don't... Uh, it was, it's yeah, weird. I was like, this dock must be fucking huge. I like, shouldn't have paid attention to around? it. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have paid attention to it, but I did. And I was like, what? Is it coming back? Did, did, it, did it... What? And then this had one of those, like, really, the scenes that, like, would only happen in a movie. The truck is driving towards him, and he's shooting his shotgun, and they keep shooting him. And they're shooting him in, like, all of his limbs, and he can barely stand up. And they all get out and walk towards him, and he picks up the shotgun and pulls the trick. And none of them, like, react. I'm like, if that shotgun had one more shell, three of those dudes easily would have died. Like, they would have been easily killed by the yeah, shot you don't know walk towards him it's not a revolver you're not counting the shots you can't possibly have known how many are laughing yeah it is insane i was just like oh that's so dumb yeah and then uh the situation uh who that's yeah. who i thought the son looked ted like, franco was, like yeah. he should be on the jersey shore they take frank castle after shooting him in both legs his one arm and they shoot him dead in the sternum leave him on a dock that they then set on fire and he comes he is conscious for part of it I, I mean like i think he has a super like superhuman strength or something because no one can be shot that many times and stay conscious let alone live i guess maybe the salt water really cleaned up those wounds or something or the witch doctor killed a chicken over him <laughs> yeah he gets shot pretty like Pretty bad for even a movie sequence. Like, he gets lethally shot and then exploded. Well, I'm sorry. An explosion goes off and throws him away, which is, you know, how explosions work. Uh, Especially gasoline-related explosions, which yeah. he wouldn't have really been blown away. He would have just been engulfed in flames. And then y y y you, 
you'd think that you'd see some more Punisher, like, like waking up on a beach and, like, struggling and, like, I don't know, something. But instead we go back and we watch a really infinitely long sequence of John Travolta getting, like, in an argument with his wife. Well, the, the scene which is crazy so, is I feel so, the club called. It's so uneven. Things. The pace of this movie—it's so. You just watch like ninety people die, and you think we're gonna move into something like riveting next or start start this momentum going, and uh, no, we just hang out in the club for a little while. Well, yeah, it's also insane that for some reason they like. I just wanted it to be like got like the studio note that came back and was like, eh, just his wife and kids die. That's not enough to make somebody become crazy. Make it his whole extended family. Yeah, get some aunt and uncle. Get his third cousin. Have, like, get... he invented, like, his, his postman, his barber, uh, just anybody he knew. I also wonder, didn't, like, a... Maybe, like, a cousin, like, brought their, like, like, like boyfriend or something. Like, Oh, yeah, you know there what I mean? was definitely a few, like, collateral... Like, someone was like, ah, I don't know if I still want to keep dating this person, but I'm going to come along anyway, because it would be too awkward to cancel now. <laughs> and then as the gunshots go off and they hide under a, a porch, they're like, fuck this... This is bullshit. It really the sex was bullshit. not worth it. This is not worth it. Well, anyways, we cut back to, like you said, the Saints and Sinners bar because the main villain's last name is Saint. Get it? Uh, and how do you think they would have the valets dressed at a club called Saints and Sinners? Like gay sailors. I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> that's actually, yeah, for some reason that's the motif, is really gay-looking sailors. The only thing weirder than that, then, is when John Travolta hangs, uh, or hands the techie guy from the beginning, whatever his name is, uh, the newspaper, and it just says, undercover FBI agent's family killed gangland style, mm-hmm. which I just thought was, like, a really weird headline to be like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know, it just seemed like such an odd headline. <laughs> yeah. It would probably just be, like, more like Massacre in Puerto Rico or something. But yeah, yeah, like, I just felt like anyway, they're really very specific in this, uh, in Tampa. At some point, we cut to the, the mansion where uh, John Travolta is looking, you know, sipping whiskey on his porch or whatever villains do. And uh, his wife comes out, and she thanks him for murdering a family, then reveals herself to be wearing lingerie. Uh, after he gives her, after he gives her a million dollar pair of earrings, yeah. diamond earrings, yeah. she then takes off her dress, which was like way tighter in the earlier shots, and now is like really loose because she has tons of like lingerie underneath. <laughs> and it's just, and then they kiss, and it goes, it cuts away, and our next scene is you assume months later because they don't explain how long it's been, but Frank Castle returns to his parents' old home which just has crime scene tape around it. And he goes inside, and his father's gun case is still there with all of his guns. I don't think that's how crime scenes work. I don't yeah. think he just loses guns in a building that no one's attending. Like, yeah. like, I hope nobody comes up and tries to take these. They're in glass. Don't worry about it. Come on. I, I just thought that was crazy. I was like, I guess wait. that's crime scene work in Puerto Rico. I don't know. Yeah, he gets all the guns, and then he walks outside, and for some reason that Punisher shirt's outside. I didn't exactly understand yeah. why it was there either. And again, the witch doctor who who gave, pulled him over in a boat, he's not wearing a shirt. Um, uh, uh, Frank is wearing, like, a vest version of the shirt he was already wearing in the other scenes. And again, no shirt. So just no one has shirts. <laughs> like, everyone, it's so bizarre. No one has clothes. He's just, like, he looks like he's been stranded on a remote island for, like, a hundred years. He's got that Robinson Crusoe beard. It's a great, it's a great way to bill how he is dressed because it is really weird. And he lifts up the Punisher shirt. 
Which he doesn't, like, turn to show to the witch doctor. He just picks up a shirt. So from the witch doctor's point of view, it's just a black t-shirt. And he picks it up, and he looks at the witch doctor, and the witch doctor nods as if to say, yes? <laughs> but what does he say? Like, yes? That sure is a t-shirt, I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't seem to own any. So I don't know what that scene was supposed to be. I get it, because he's like, it's got a skull on it that my son gave me. So it means something. But the guy's just like, yeah, a shirt? You found it. Cool. Can I see it? <laughs> Are you going to use it? Like, it's just the most bizarre sequence. I had, to, I had to rewind. I'm like, is that what I saw? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. The whole, that whole sequence is just like insane because you're just like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> the time difference is confusing. Has it been like a month, a week, a couple of years? I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's like a two-month beer minimum. Oh, yeah, it turns out that it's been five months, Yeah, they they later say. But Frank Castle then returns to Tampa where he immediately gets an apartment. The shittiest apartment ever. Uh, Keep in mind, he's he's thought to be dead at this point. He has no money, Uh, I would say. Apparently he has money. He also somehow rents an apartment. No, because he died. A dead person. Like, like presumably as someone with an undercover... Like, like like career, he would have his will up to date, you know, because that's a dangerous job. So presumably, yeah. all of his all of his money and, and and his estate was given out to whoever is well, left. They're all dead. Like some distant cousin or his neighbor, I don't know. But it certainly won't be like still in his name. He certainly couldn't go to an ATM, so which is why it's extra confusing why he rolls up to an apartment that he suddenly has with a car and a lot of tools. Like, he yeah. starts working on that car with, like, a... There a, is a, a weird <laughs> montage where he's, like, setting booby traps in his house, which comes back in the movie in no way whatsoever worthwhile. Yeah. They're, they're just completely worthless. Uh, then he begins to, like, Mad Max up a car. That, again, I know why... Maybe, maybe he had that car somewhere, sure, but, again, uh, I, no I, money. Also, it's very confusing. He then, like, uh, he then shows up at the gravesite of him and his wife and kid, which I found this to be insane. It's five months later. They already have tombstones, which is a great turnaround time if you've ever had to bury somebody. Sick turnaround. Thanks, Tampa. But what's even more insane is they ship those people's bodies back to Tampa to be buried? Well, They're not I even mean, from yeah. Tampa. They just happen to live there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They, they mentioned that they, that they constantly are moving and that his parents own that land down in puerto rico why did they pick to fly their bodies back to tampa they're not buried with the rest of the castle family look it was probably a government funeral and it's probably real cheap in that swampy swampy dirt to bury people so it's probably just like a bunch of cuts maybe that's it it was just i was just like wow this is bizarre but then then we kind of meet the people from um from his weird friend group that he forms and the movie spends far too much time paying attention to. We got Bumbo, Bumpo, Bumpo, excuse me. Yeah. I, I we got Mr. Bumpo. Uh, uh, might as well have just been called sandwich or like, you know, just something where you're like, I got it. He's fat. Yeah. We got Spacker Dave. And then we got, um, what is Stamos's character's I name? I forget. Joan. Joan. Yeah. Joan. Who, when I first saw this movie, I remember ranting and raving about how much I was annoyed by these characters that were seemed to be invented by a bad Hollywood director who insisted that the Punisher have a little bit more like heart and character. 
I was surprised to discover much later that they were all directly out of a comic. Directly. They're all from Welcome Back, Frank. They sure are. Um, I haven't read that, so I can't be sure uh, how accurate they are. Um, they're but they, somewhat accurate. They're much less annoying in the comic. But the, yeah, because they are incredibly annoying, and they occupy a assload of screen time in this otherwise ridiculous film. Because you have a film that is a—I mean, the Punisher is a character who is a built-in action movie. He—he's already an action movie. Like he—he he defines it. Like he's yeah, just it, a built-in action they guy. Even, even bother to explain where he lives, what he does with his free time. Like, <laughs> exactly. In the comics, he part of the time he lives in a sewer, or right. in like a room that he like got like an old like a like electric shed room off of a subway that no longer is in service. Like he not he doesn't get an apartment. Yeah, he's he no can't frills. Get an apartment. He people think he's dead. Yeah, Plus, he's, everybody he, knows that Frank Castle is the Punisher, yeah, so he can't Good get fucking address. point. Who's running the credit check on dead Frank Castle? And then, speaking of which, dead Frank Castle shows up at the police station, where he used to work, I guess, and it's like, I'm not dead. And they're like, oh, fuck, that's yeah, crazy. that was insane, too, that I'm like, why did you reveal that you're still alive in like such a pointless and worthless scene? And, and bad, bad monologue, yeah. And then immediately after that, he's seen sneaking into a building because he's gotten he tortured uh, the guy from Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, uh, which is a scene that I like, and I was like, "Huh, this is this is a, this is actually a pretty clever scene." This movie invented. Nope, also from the comic. Yeah, from a from a much better comic from yep. Punisher War Journal, which yeah, a War Journal things yeah. from War Journal. Yeah, um, he finds out that there's some money laundering in this building, and to sneak into the building. He goes and beats up two Hispanic men who are just like day laborers. Like they're, they're not day laborers. Well, like, that's they're that's like, pretty you... Punisher style right there, though. He he does the some Punisher lot... would never go and just beat up two dudes who are basically janitors. They don't know the guy's a criminal. They're janitors. He just knocked them out. That one guy is definitely gonna have brain damage. I mean, I just thought that was they're gonna have a little tinnitus that. from the ear hit, but he's it's gonna be fine. And then like he. Takes the money and just throws it out a window, I guess. And, and then, and then, okay, this this comes up. He gets downstairs and he has like a western standoff, one of four in this movie, like a draw. Yes, with two of the oldest men in this Again, entire movie. But I want us to harp on that. Side the stand next to Glass. This is like the fourth time that that he's. He, 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 like, does – in this movie – this is one of four times, I mean, in this movie that he, like, does this weird, like, who's going to draw first Western thing, which is not at all, like, a Punisher motif of any kind. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. And they keep harping on it. He does it with John Travolta at the end. He does it here. He sort of has a kind of one with the uh, the weird Johnny Cash assassin, which we will get to. And uh, – but in this sequence, he also makes a very awkward – um, joke about his own dead family. Like, he, these two goons show up, and he says, uh, uh, did, did Saint pay you a flat rate for killing everybody in my family, or did you get, like, a bulk deal? Like, something like that. And I was just like, ew, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, it is very bizarre. And then they both stand next to glass cases, so when they're shot, they can fall through them. Yeah, of course. Well, that's just classic movie style. Um, but before... <laughs> Before we get too far past it, 
Um, that really horrible scene where he reveals that he's still alive to the police has one of like the shittiest monologues uh, in this movie. I can't remember it because it's that terrible. But the best part about it is someone's like, okay, Frank, your whole family got murdered. Like, all of them. Like, like every one of them. Uh, and we haven't done much about it. I know you're upset. And he's like, upset? I'm upset when the Yankees lose. I'm upset when, like, I stub my toe. This, how do you think I feel now? Like, a shitty statement. And it's also, like, it's an open-ended leaving them to, like, respond <laughs> with, like, an answer. And I really wanted someone to be like, I don't know, really mad. Yes. Super uh, pissed. Irate? Turbo angry. Like, I wanted him to just, like, invent. <laughs> I don't know. How invested are you in the Yankees? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those could be those could be synonymous. Some people take that shit really seriously. Um, he leaves his tombstone behind at a golf course as a threat. I like that. Felt like it was uh, probably taken yeah, from a comic. That was something. I guess <laughs> that was all right. I dig. I dug that. I actually kind of dug a little bit of this idea that he would like plan and 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 get all the information before he would go after them. But I didn't think it would take a whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, insane, and I don't get, like, why he decided to, like, he basically plays John Travolta into killing his, his own best friend and his wife, and I'm like, I get that, like, you know, psychologically, you're like, ooh, that's that's good payback, that he'll know right before he dies that he killed, you know, two people that he really cared about, but then I'm like, the Punisher really doesn't give a shit, like, he, he's not in it to, like, that's not the kind of revenge he wants, he right. just wants, he just is gonna kill them all because they all deserve to die, and I'm like, yeah. I don't like that he's like trying to create. It just seemed so weird. And the same year this movie came out, uh, the movie Man on Fire came out with Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, that's a much better Punisher movie. And I'm like, I'm like, that's what that should have been. Like he's shoving <laughs> bombs up guys' asses. You know, what I mean, he's like, he's doing all sorts. Like he's just basically, yeah. like, I'm getting this little girl back. I don't care who I gotta kill to get it, her back. It, this movie should have had the inventive intensity of a movie like that. Yes, uh, but it, it doesn't. Does <laughs> it has it has like a mediocre gunfight at the end, um, and some general like violent like fights in the middle. But mostly it's him planning and stalking this guy to like yeah, make the him scene where he upset. goes and uh, he puts the fake fire hydrant so he can move her car. Who yeah. leaves their purse in a sports car with diamond earrings in it? I'm sorry, there's no way they would make it. Somebody would break that window, steal it, and run. I mean, that's just insanity. Also, he's 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 able to find the wife of the mobster because she goes to a movie every Thursday at 8 o'clock. Um, who, do, who, who? 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 No one? Uh, you're a mobster. Probably you have people who don't like you. I don't think you let your wife go to the exact same place every thursday to go exercise and then go see a movie and not have somebody at least go with her but i guess i'm just like, confused just, by the idea of like a weekly just, movie you know what i mean like by yourself I, yeah most people go to a movie when like a movie comes out that they want to see they don't just like roll cuz that i just pictured her like rolling in and they're like well i'm here again after last week uh, there's nothing new really out i guess i'll just see this Kevin James Zookeeper movie. Like this. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> One for Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. I don't know. I don't really have anything else to do. It's I have to see this movie at 8 o'clock. It's, it's religion to me. 
But uh, anyway, we we haven't touched too much on uh, Bumpo and Joan and and Spacker Dave, and I want to talk about them because why? Because <laughs> each one of them has one uh, personality trait. Yeah, there's Bumpo that. Bumpo likes to eat and listen to opera. Uh, Spacker Dave has piercings and plays what I guess is a video game, but not really sure. He was playing Rainbow Six, like, Ghost Recon, or, like, or like something like that. Like, he's playing, like, an old, like, like, well, not an old, I mean, at the time it wasn't old, but, like, a 2000s, like, Rainbow Six game. And he's, like, reacting to it with the intensity of, like, someone playing Halo, which is odd, because that's not what that game's at all like. And you can even see him, he's just, I... like, he's just, like, leaning around a corner and, like, firing a gun. Like yeah, tact- like when they showed it, I'm like, that is not exciting. And I'm like, and I don't think that game is multiplayer. Yeah, it's not. Like, well, it's, I, not, it's not. No, it's not. It's and a then, maybe, but. Right. And then at some point, like, he stops to, like, respond to, like, yelling that he hears. And the game just keeps going. Again, I know I shouldn't care yeah. about these little details, but the game continues. Like, it's just like a, a YouTube video of someone else playing Rainbow Six that was full screen for his monitor. <laughs> I just like that a lot. And then he's quirky because he's sitting in a, uh, a mechanized wheelchair that he does yeah. not need. I thought he was handicapped in the beginning, and then, yeah, that's a weird choice to make, but whatever. And then Joan is uh, a damsel in distress and mm-hmm. a damsel in distress. She has, she has one personality trait, which is someone please help me. Oh, until she gets a second one, which is how about I get up on that dick, Punisher? Yeah, that is punish my pussy. We we <laughs> did you just throw up in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a lot of love sequences jammed into movies that we talk about, and we're on our twelfth film, and this by far is the laziest, the shittiest, because there is no reason for her to like him like he helps her out at one point with kind her of. He's shitty ex-boyfriend yeah but it's yeah it's like a chore for him he mostly avoids and and steers clear of them for most of the film and the first time the only the first time they really have any kind of communication during that dinner sequence she is clutching him and they are having like a kissing sequence that is implied as if this has been built up the whole film, and it is not. I'm like, whoa, what? It is so artificial and so that, that dinner scene is paper insane. thin. Where yeah, she's like, I know it's not Thanksgiving, but let's say what we're thankful for, and it's like, why? Also, yeah, <laughs> why would be the thing that the punisher like, like, imagine, should have Imagine seen. you're like, I want to get to know this new guy who moved in, and maybe have a little dinner for him because he got rid of my ex boyfriend. That's nice. And then all of a sudden you just turn it into some weird share time. Plus, this is after they found out that he's the guy whose entire family was murdered. I can't yeah. just be like, do you want some like a hamburger? We're not going <laughs> to mention anything about family. We're not going to – like I would just be like, let's just try to have the lightest meal. I wouldn't just like be like, I'm going to make him say something really heartfelt here. Yeah. Also – also, like, Sarah walked... This is, like, a 25-minute sequence. It's a huge chunk of this movie. Especially, like, percentage-wise, compared to the murder that should be happening. And Sarah, my wife, came in during, like, this movie. She was in and out. And she walked in, and she's like, Oh, did you did you stop watching The Punisher? <laughs> like, that's how awkward this movie seemed to someone unfamiliar with it. It's like, yeah, they're having this long sure, sequence. Did you start watching He's Just Not That Into You? <laughs> 
And one of the lines that she heard when she came back in was uh, Mr. Bumpo, again, a a name I'm furious to say every time I say it, uh, saying his line of thanks, thank you for leftovers, thanks for Diet Pepsi, and thanks for friends. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, the fat guy is thankful for Diet Pepsi. Also, the weirdest product placement, except for Wild Turkey being the choice of alcohol, which that bummed me out that they were like, Frank Castle would be an alcoholic. I'm like, I don't think he would because that would affect his ability to be a murderer. Like, he would <laughs> yeah. not do anything that would make it, like, he would not take the chance that he would be drunk when somebody comes to kill him. Also, the confusion with these characters is that in the comic, from what I understand, is that they, they fulfilled roles, uh, uh, weird or otherwise. Like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Specker Dave offers some kind of, like, research assistance in sort of, like, that um, uh, microchip way uh, at some point. I'm not mis- I might be mistaken on that. Uh, but Bumpo's role in the in the comic is that during the fight with the Russian, which is done in the movie much like it is in the comic, um, although there's some variations, uh, he is pushed on top of the Russian and smothers him with his fat body. So... So, again, a (laughs) little over-the-top comic to pick to base your movie on. Yeah, this is a lot of, like, Deadpool-level, like, goofy, wacky shit happening in this comic. To try and bring it to film is a really weird choice. To try to bring it to film when the movie is about a man whose family is murdered in front of him. Yeah, again... Like, the Welcome Back Frank comic does not... Like, it's not like, all right, let's rehash all this real quick. Right. And again, this is a comic book character whose origin is essentially the plot of every action movie. So you can just make a good action movie. Like, you don't have to do this. I don't know why you would do this. If you're not going to... If you're not going to do the Garthiness comic as it is, as it is like a over-the-top, campy parody, don't take pieces of it yeah like the movie is not i mean i wouldn't say it's like realistic or it's kind of serious in in some regards and then you get the the like henry heck the guy who comes into a diner that is the least successful diner in the world because the only people in it are the people from the apartment building (laughs) yeah and he plays a song and then tries to kill frank castle in like a car chase it's really just pointless and really boring. And then yeah, the Russian it's... shows up, and you get this, like, over-the-top, completely unrealistic fight scene. And then the next thing is he's like, all right, I'm going to go set up all these bombs and stuff to try to kill the saints. And and it's just like, well, I don't understand. Aren't you impervious to harm? Like, it's just the movie's so all over the place. At one point, he's being thrown through walls, like solid walls. He's being chucked through two layers of uh, drywall and stuff, and he just, like, shakes his head like it kind of hurt. And then yeah. the next scene, it, it's insane. Although I guess in that last scene, some guy does shoot him point blank with a shotgun in the chest, and he's fine because he's wearing a bulletproof vest, and that's not how that works at all. <laughs> oh, God. He would, he would literally, his lungs would just, like, his ribs we'll, would break from the impact. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I also, I just, in my notes, I'm just now realizing that I wrote in all caps... Why am I watching the Punisher eat dinner? <laughs> well, what's great is right before that scene is uh, Spacker Dave comes over to trick him into showing up to dinner. He knocks on the door, and they show Frank Castle is shirtless, 
with an huh? unloaded gun because he loads the gun when he hears somebody knock on his door, which I don't get why you would carry around an unloaded gun. And he is eating tuna out of a can with a pocket knife. Sure. I'm like, the yeah. motherfucker didn't buy a spoon? <laughs> no, he doesn't have time for that. I thought He's that was punisher. the weirdest choice. I was like, he he has all he has like an entire like craftsman tool set in like a lockable case, and he doesn't have any silverware. That was so. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? I also, I, I, I again like with most movies that are bad, and we're infuriated by them. I want to say fuck you to chronology, and I want to talk about this Harry Heck guy. Uh, he's from the comics, but. In the comics, he's more of just like an Old West pistol fighter. Yeah, he does not come in and sing a song. He's not Johnny Cash, which is what this guy And I is. feel like this guy should have been played by Dwight Yoakam. He's been in movies before. They could have gotten him. Yeah, but this guy is uh, what, Mark Colley. Yeah, he is a country western singer. So he is like a – he's not – he's in like some acting roles, but mostly he's a country western singer. And yeah, he's doing this like – on the nose, Johnny Cash. In fact, it's actually kind of fucking cool. Like, I actually kind of liked this guy in this movie, and I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna be fun." He's got like a teardrop tattoo. He's got a, he's got a, uh, a car like the Punisher. He's got this guitar case. You know, he's playing this song. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of into this. Uh, and then yeah, he just tries to shoot the Punisher, and then fails, and then uh, gets a knife to the throat from a knife. From like a, gu- a knife gun? Yeah, I mean, it was just like, it was just so dumb. It was really like infuriating. Yeah, it. it... I mean, like they should have had if they, when he came in and played the song in the restaurant, he should have like put the guitar down and then like they should have had a shootout in there or a fight in there, yeah. and it would have been more interesting. Like the Punisher just walks out and gets in his car. It's like, why didn't the guy put a bomb in his car? Like he's he only needs to kill this guy. He doesn't have to do it in any certain way. Right. So, why didn't he just blow up his car when he got in it? Or why wasn't he just waiting outside the diner as soon as he walked out? He just shot him in the head. And, and the reason like, why I mean, I don't why would you is, make it more complicated? They wanted this guy to be one of those assassins that are the kind of tropes that are in movies where he's like a stylized assassin. But then he isn't. Then he's just a guy with again a shotgun like everyone else in this movie, and he just kind of shoots it a lot, and then he just dies because yeah, it's, it's completely he stops shooting it. And then. Frank Castle's car is destroyed, and you're like, oh, man. And he just takes the other car, and then the yeah. car shows up again. And I'm just like, oh, okay. All right. Okay, sure. Yeah, and I'm like, what was the point of that? And I guess that's the entire – like, he builds this Mad Max car, and that's its usage. Yeah, which is – and it fails, basically. I mean, other than it stops those bullets, he ends up getting in a car accident because yeah. a very adult woman is playing soccer. Like, did you notice that ball that runs out? Like, the person <laughs> who runs out is like a six-foot-tall woman. I was like, that oh, is not God. a child. And I wish I wish Frank Castle also had like a follow up line. I'm like, no, I brought this knife gun to this gun knife gun fight. <laughs> like I wanted him to have like a like a stupid follow up to that line. It was pretty dumb. Um the, the Russian fight, I don't even know how to talk about it because it's just so ridiculous. Like the Russian is a character who is who lives to fight. Like he's like He's like the predator. Like he just like roams the globe, getting in mercenary battles so that he can fight because he just likes to kill. And this one, he's like a, a cartoon character. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, it, speak. It, he just kind of grunts and like. And what's insane is he gets stabbed like repeatedly. He gets his face burned. He gets uh like 
thrown into a wall. All this stuff happens, and then he gets killed by falling down some stairs. Yeah. Well, like, to we've be f- just shown them both being repeatedly thrown through walls, being hit by lead pipes. Uh, like all this stuff is happening to this guy, and some stairs kill him. To be fair, though, in the comic, if they were to have been a hundred percent accurate, the Russian dies because um, <laughs> because Frank Castle throws a pizza at him, and then uh, pushes a fat guy onto his head. <laughs> So I take that over what really happened. So yeah, it's really a toss-up of what you think is better. And then the movie at this point, I I have no notes. It pokes. I well, have no notes. The it goes takes, off the rails. The movie takes a very bizarre turn in which the last like thirty minutes is just like, all right, here we're wrapping it up. Rebecca Romaine Stamos decides that she's not going to try acting at all in this movie, <laughs> and just has like this weird scene where she's just like laying up against a wall like in this tra- like it looks like she's just been like assaulted or something it's very unsettling and she's like crying and he just walks away saint shows up uh at his best friend's house where frank castle has planted the laziest evidence i've ever seen in my life which is he took one earring and laid it on top of a perfectly made bed so it's like what they had hardcore sex he made the bed and then her earring fell off like it doesn't yeah. make any sense and the whole time that uh, Travolta is stabbing his friend, the guy's like, I don't know why you're doing this. Please, I don't know what's going on. And then the bigger question is, why would that guy – like, John Travolta's not shown at any point to be homophobic. So why would he care that that guy was gay? I think – well, it's revealed like, when it's the like wife – It's like a huge deal. He's like – but he's like a huge deal. He's like, I'll tell Saint that you're gay. And he's like, all right, I'll pay $5,000 for the pictures. But oh, it's like, right. You're the blackmail. Yeah. yeah, but then you're like, why would Saint care what he does in his free time? Yeah, I don't think he would at all. He just doesn't make that seem... He would probably be like, you're not fucking my wife? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, bizarre. But then the wife death scene occurs, which is the worst. Because <laughs> he accuses the wife of cheating. She denies it, of course. And they, he drives her out to a bridge somewhere, I guess near where they met. And he I, picks... I don't know. Yeah, this whole scene was... And out of almost nowhere, he picks her up and he throws her. And it's almost instantly like she's like a dummy, like a mannequin. You know, like like, yeah. like you'd, you'd, it like you'd stuff... Na- it is not a natural... Like you'd stuff a shirt and pants with like pillows for like a college movie you're filming with your friends. Like, like, like a, a bad dummy, you know what I mean? And she's whipped over with the most like comical like force, and it reminded me instantly of that scene from Anchorman where Jack Black punts oh the dog uh, with the dog off the uh, off the bridge. Like it felt that level of stupid. <laughs> and then she lands on the railroad tracks, and a train runs her over. And I was like, wow, he has great aim. He just threw a woman off a bridge and landed her perfectly in the center of a railroad track. And that sets him up to make. T- Two bad death puns in one sentence, which is something that if I saw in a script, I think I I quit the movie because they have um, uh, Quentin's body wrapped up in a rug. They show earlier, and so when the when his son comes up and goes, "Hey, where's Quentin?" He goes, "He's all wrapped up in something," and he's like, "Where's mom? She had a train to catch." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is that is like insanity too. And I imagine the kid would be like, "Well." 
first off, your first statement about Quentin was confusing and not helpful. And secondly, we're really rich. We never take the train. Yeah, and he's just like, I could. We don't take the train. That's for poor people. (laughs) I also forgot to mention that uh, before the Punisher leaves his apartment after this, uh, the movie starts having bizarre, uh, like, all of a sudden a voiceover kicks in. Another trope of these not-so-great yeah, uh, comic book movie adaptions. And Inconsistent he's, voiceover. He's reading uh, the basis, the the beginning of his war journal. Yeah, uh, the, that's like the, from issue one of uh, Punisher War Journal. But in this, it's so bizarre because he goes on and he says like this stuff about you know Frank Castle's dead. I am the Punisher. You know, blah blah blah. And then all this stuff happens where John Travolta kills his best friend, kills his wife. And then all of a sudden, the voiceover comes back, and he's like, number three. And I was like, wait, I don't. was there a number two? Like, it's just so weird. There's like a good ten minutes in between the time the voiceover starts and when and, it starts back up. And like you said, it, it, there's no voiceover prior to this. I don't know why I'm such a stickler for this, but if you're going to have a voiceover in a movie, it has to be something that's like introduced and then used. Like, you just can't jump it in it feels so strange to me it feels like a narrative shift because you're focusing on a character from one perspective then you broaden it to like the interior of their head it's really awkward and they do it in this movie and they keep doing it in all the movies that we keep watching i don't know why directors love this so much i think it's a trope that they're obsessed with in comic book movies because comic movies always have those boxes sometimes where it's like the internal yeah like you know what they do monologue They have them throughout the entire comic. Exactly. It's a, it's a theme. It's something that you get used to. It's like a perspective of the story that you're introduced to and then you relive through the film. Not in this one. You just get this weird list. Yeah, Which, it is, is, it, is this taken from something in this movie or is this invented in this movie then later used in a comic? No, no. I wasn't sure. It's from the comic. Okay, so it's from War Journal, which was a comic in like the 80s. So he just, yeah. Like, again, he just like cherry picked pieces of inconsistent tone from other Punisher comics and then just sort of yeah, melted them into the a pot. It's not like he was like, all right, there's a bunch of cool stuff from War Journal that I'm going to use. He was like, there's a bunch of cool stuff from War Journal, which is, I mean, not like a super serious take on the Punisher, but it was like a story basically, it, the War Journal's Punisher like telling the stories of what he's done, like what criminals he's killed, who he fought, and stuff. And there's some decent stories. Uh, and then... Welcome Back Frank is so far removed, it's just it's, like, yeah. you're just like, I don't get why he thought they would meld together well, because they they don't. They don't work at all together. But at this point, we roll into the last final sequence, which should have been the whole, most of the movie, which is where he just storms a bad guy's lair and starts killing people. Yeah, it, like, it really There's no reason like, why. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of punishing. Most of the people he kills... <laughs> show yeah. up to try to kill him first and yep. he, he kills uh the russian is basically by pure luck right and then uh henry heck is just like that's sort of lucky because if he had missed with that knife he'd be dead yeah so i mean it's not like he really shows that he the only people he's killed are two old men in a office building and the punisher's like mode like his punishers like mo is pre- preparation and gadgets or like just gun. like overkill like guns yeah like overkill those are sort of like things he does like not like batman gadgets but like booby traps and stuff 
And there's like there's a couple of them in here, but they barely use any of these major staples of the Punisher. And they kind of uh, miss out, like, I mean, I, if I remember right, because I watched uh, Punisher Warzone, which is the sequel that has a different actor. I'm fairly certain they bring in his use of, like, an M60, which is, like, a recurring thing in the Punisher mythos. Because yeah. he's supposed to have... He's so old. I mean, you know, like, when they invented the character, they were like, he served in Vietnam, and it made sense. You know, now he'd be, like, in his 70s, which they were for a while still playing it. They were just like, yeah, he's just an old man who refuses to die. Like, because he's just gonna... He's gonna just keep fighting people. But it, it, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that's missing, and... This scene, too, at Saints Club, they he's called together his elite hitmen, who, again, are just old men. And he's like, I'll give you $50,000 to, to kill this guy, and whoever kills him gets an extra 50000 And I was confused, because I'm like, if I knew that you had called in two of the best hitmen, and they were both dead, I'd be like, I don't think I'm going to do it for $50,000. That's not that it's much It's a money. low ball. It's a pretty big low ball, yeah. Because he can say that the other two hitmen that he uh, that he hired probably didn't get paid because you know True. they died. <laughs> He's got plenty of money to throw around. He really he really lowballs these. Murders. I just thought that was a very bizarre. And then what's even more bizarre is after Frank Castle shows up with his compound bow that he uses to shoot arrows all the way through people, which is extremely hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is getting ready to go upstairs when a guy calls down and says, "Hey, more champagne." I thought they were fucking hitmen who were supposed to be going out to kill Frank Castle, but they're, like, having a party? Yeah, and there's no one down there. It's, like, an empty lobby. I don't know Oh, there was, was two guards. Supposed... There was two guards, oh, right. which he That's killed. right. But and I then... thought that was insane. I was just like, well, I don't understand. And again, he locks into that. Right. But then the next sequence really feels Punisher-ass. Like, he, he booby-traps a champagne bottle so that... Their decadence can kill them. Like that's felt like a moment from Punisher, and I was like, "Here we go." And then he gets upstairs, and he like knifes a guy, and he starts lighting He's, up the he place. He has the hardest time in the world. There is a scene in this thing which reminded me of uh, Police Files, the Leslie Nielsen show, where like, oh, like right. they'll show two people like shooting at each other, and then they do a wide shot, and they're like two, like half a foot apart. Yeah, and they're just behind yeah. two trash cans next to each other. <laughs> he is trying to hit a guy behind just like an ordinary chair. This room is no wider than 10 feet, and he cannot hit him with a fucking assault rifle. I'm like, just shoot the chair. It'll go right through it. it the chair's not made of, a, like, steel. All the gunfights in this movie are absurd. The worst is when that Kurt Cobain-looking, like, 60-year-old Kurt Cobain-looking motherfucker uh, yeah. uh, takes a shotgun out. And then just puts a round straight into square center mass of, of Punisher. Um, he doesn't. He winces, which is not what you do if someone shot you from like two feet away with a shotgun. Yeah, Maybe I mean, if, if that had includes, some you would fly away, and yeah. probably it would destroy the vest because they're not, you know, they're not really made to be hit point blank. But more importantly, he shoots once, and somehow movie magic prevents him from being injured from the, the shotgun because of Kevlar, uh, which is fine because it's like what all movies do. But then he just shoots a second and then a third time in the torso. And I'm like, he's wearing a tank top. Like, you, you've got about 20% of the body is protected. And you're shooting that, like, three times. And just aim at his fucking face. It's not it, that far away. And plus, we're talking shotgun. We're talking spread. So his, his, his bare arms would certainly take some impact. 
But no, he just just takes three shots to the gut like it's no big deal and then fires back. And I point that out, not because I want to nitpick movie magic or whatever, but because uh, gunfights are more fun when it feels like there's any threat at all that yeah. the person's going to get hit. Like... Like John McClane getting absolutely gunned to fucking hell and limping on bleeding feet is what makes him such an exciting character throughout most of the movie. Yeah, is that he's you're like, taking Ooh, he's damage. actually seriously hurt. Yeah. Obviously, he'd be much more hurt than he is, but that's where you – a person needs to be injured. Yeah. You just so when the half of what it would really be. When the enemies shoot like stormtroopers and the hero just sort of walks through it – it's kind of uh, fucking boring. It's not that exciting. Then we just have this Mad Max ripoff moment where he's got this guy pinned on the ground uh, or pinned in a desk, very much like Mad Max, you know, encounters the, the at the end of uh, the first Mad Max movie. Uh, yes, when he meets Toe Cutter. Yeah, and he's and he's pinned to the ground, and then he gives them uh, like a, a a he cha- he actually chains him up to the car. It right. He, oh, that's right. Yeah, and he gives him sort of like this sort of like uh, no win scenario essentially, and then just walks off uh, for it to just uh, in- in- inherently go wrong. Um, but that's a great scene because it's supposed to be like there's where you see that Mad Max has like lost everything, and he says exactly. He gives the guy a hacksaw and says, "It'll take you ten minutes to cut through the chains, but you could cut through your arm in five. And Gorgeous like, scene. Beautiful yeah, and line. And the guy's like, what are you doing? Are you mad? Are you mad? And he drives away, and then as he's driving away, you see the car explode. And you yeah. know the guy didn't make it away. Fantastic moment. Uh, this one, just he, he this, this Jersey Shore motherfucker is like, oh, I don't want to hold my arm up that long. Well, what's, <laughs> it, what's insane, too, is he's like, you ever done, like, isometrics or whatever? And he's like, this only weighs eight pounds, but if you hold it with your arm up, you know, that's a lot. The guy holds it for like 48 seconds. I'm like, come on, man. You couldn't hold it for longer than that. I've had my arm up this entire recording. I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm holding the mic with my <laughs> erect genitals, and it's not even. No, I was just like, I was like, oh, that's weird. And then what's great is, all right, he comes down and uh, he shoots Travolta in, like you said, another high noon standoff. Yeah. And he walks up and he's like, you killed my son. And then you hear. You hear the son yell, and this is like a five-story building. Yeah. He screams, and you hear an explosion. He's like, I killed both of them. And it's just like, it's so weird how little Travolta cares about the other kid. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have any reaction to it. But this scene had something that I I almost liked for a minute, because this would be the time in almost any movie that, that the villain would have their moment to be like, fuck you, you're just like me, we're the same kind of guy, like cheesy monologue right before they're shot. He he just gets shot in the fucking chest and then just sort of like moans on the ground while the Punisher mocks him. And I was like, hmm, I kind of like this. This is, this is refreshing. For a minute I felt that. And then he rigs him to a car and I'm like, why are we doing this? What, what's going on? And then the car rolls into a car dealership uh, or a parking lot. Either way, the Punisher ruined a bunch of people's days, and he rolls, he rolls the car into that car dealership and triggers explosive that he assume, presumably set before this entire massacre. And those cars slowly explode in a rolling explosion, igniting John Travolta, who issues a scream much like you would if you were on a roller coaster. 
Yeah, and it is also clearly like a stunt man wearing tons of padding. Like John yeah. Travolta, this is before he got like super heavy. This guy, like that they're dragging, looks like uh, Tom. No, what's his name? Damn it! Well, this joke's ruined. The guy from Roseanne. <laughs> Tom Arnold? No, I guess Tom Arnold were too. Who is John Goodman? John Goodman. He is like he is super heavy, and you're just like that is clearly not John Travolta. And for some reason, the very first shot of the explosion, something must have happened because they CGI'd it. And it's like horrible CGI. It is the worst CGI I've ever seen in my life of this fire. And I cannot figure out why they put it in there. But it is the slowest death scene. And I'm not even sure it would kill him. But like you said, he blows up like 30 people's cars. Again, and I'm not sure who these people are because the parking lot's across the street. And to do it... And the reason he does it is that it explodes in the Punisher logo, which is okay, confusing for a number of reasons. A, the Punisher has never really been known for someone who like wants everyone to know the Punisher's around. Really? Yeah, he, well, he just wants the criminals to know so they're scared of him. Yeah, I guess. But the exploding parking lot, who's that for? Nobody can see it. I know, and by the time people show up, the fire's going to be out. It's just going to look like a bunch of cars that are blown up. Also, yeah. how did he manage to do that on that big of a scale? Yeah, and he had to sit and plan that out. And just the whole yeah, time, you got to pick which be, cars to blow this up. This is going to be so not. cool. This is going to look so awesome to no one at all. And then I'm like, going to drive out to the middle of a bridge that connects to the like Florida Keys and deliver like a like the end of my monologue. Yeah, after attempting suicide or considering suicide and then giving it up. But I guess what what happens in that scene? He's, what getting, he's getting ready to kill himself, and then his wife is like, mm, I don't want to see you. It, it's so baffling. And I get the gist is like, oh, I've completed my mission. So if, you're, if your goal as the writer was like, oh, he's, he's, he's he completed his arc. He's killed the man that killed his family. He's done. He's ready to, to you know, like almost like a, like a poltergeist. He's just here to haunt the people that, you know, that harmed him. And now he's going to, like, fade away. Um that would have been way cooler of a thing to do during a breakneck action sequence in which he tries to like he like nearly sacrifices himself. That would have been far cooler. Or than if him. there had been any build up to the fact that he was just planning on killing himself. Yeah, I guess their only build up was that he drank a whole lot of whiskey. Which but... I which they'd make to be more like, you know, they're like he's tortured and that's why he does it. But again, I'm like right. it doesn't fit the rest of the character that you've developed. No, no, it doesn't at all. Like, he would be like, oh, I'm tortured. I'm going to go murder a couple of their underlings. And then maybe you'd think the movie would be like, oh, well, the reason why he's staying alive is that he's found a new family with these people that we've spent an, a painfully long amount of time introducing you to. Um, no, not that either. Not that either. He doesn't seem yeah, to have any leaves. recollection. He just leaves him some money and drives away. And drives away, like... Where to New York? I guess to is that to, I know. I think that's the bridge that connects Florida to the Florida Keys. Uh, I guess he's gonna go stop crime in the Florida Keys. I thought it was also baffling that they decided to set the movie in Tampa. I was just like, yeah. why isn't it in yeah. New York City? It's he's 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 classically a New York City character. And what's insane is like I the guy complained the whole time about the low budget they gave him and everything. They decided to film in Tampa, which had to be much more expensive than filming, like, in Vancouver. Or, also, like, North Carolina or whatever, yeah. Also, there's, like, tons of, like, glory shots of, like, Tampa's skyline, and I'm like... Yeah. 
that's not a recognizable skyline. Like, it's not Chicago no. or New York. I'm sorry. What was that? It's not Chicago, your hometown, <laughs> except for you're not really from there. But I was like, I was like, it's not a famous skyline. It just like at one point I was like, I think that's downtown Cincinnati because it had like a building that was very similar wish, to a building in downtown Cincinnati. I wish this was, I wish this was set in Cincinnati. That would have been appropriate. But uh, and then the Cincinnati of bands plays the end credits, uh, Drowning Pool. <laughs> yeah, there is like this was at a time when they were just like score every movie with the angstiest like fake like foam metal we can find. There's a Does, Seether song yeah. in the movie earlier that she plays after he turns her down. God damn it. It's so bad. Two, early 2000s action movies loved new metal. In fact, there's a scene in uh, uh, Jet Li's The One in which was packed with bad new metal, in which the bad Jet Li gets in a car and changes radio stations until he finds a new metal station and goes, yes, this will do. Okay. <laughs> They love this shit in the 2000s. Wow, it is impressive that you know, that you remember that much of the movie The One with Jet Li. The One is fantastic. Uh, No, it's not. It's awful. It's really garbage. It's it's not very good, though. I saw that movie in theaters. Do you remember that Jason Statham was in that? I forgot that until I watched it recently. Is he really? He's one of the guys chasing Jet Li, yeah. He's like one of the main guys who's after him. Is Jason Statham, and like I guess his like early role for him. Anyway, off topic. Well, I, I, I'm not really sure that this movie ends real dumb, and really setting itself up for I guess what they thought was going to be a sequel. Yeah, just well, was, not a good movie. I there's pers- sort of there sort of was a sequel. Have you seen uh, the short film they put out? I saw it when they first released it. I haven't seen it. That was like six years ago, so I don't the really with- remember. It's just a quick sequence uh, with Ron Perlman in it, strangely, of like of like the Punisher, like doing his laundry and then seeing a crime and then like coming out and like kicking some ass. It's it's pretty damn good, and it, it encouraged a lot of fans to like write petitions to like bring the director of that short film and everything back to like do another Thomas Jane movie. But instead, they're moving forward with that guy from The Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm concerned because I've never seen that guy in anything where he doesn't have like a really thick southern accent. So like I'm afraid he's gonna be like, like he's gonna be like it's time you got punished and it's gonna be like oh no <laughs> punished yeah please don't speak you done messed up boy that's fair that's so, fair well pose where would you where would you place this film on the list of Mostly trash we've watched so far. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about that today at work. I feel like it's not quite as bad. I mean, it's definitely no. better than Catwoman. Catwoman's, it's, Catwoman's the new bottom for me. It, same here. And it's not as infuriating as Alien vs. Predator. Yeah, um, and I found it at least something happens in the movie, unlike an Alien vs. Predator. Right. Where it's so, like a lot of buildup for a lot of nothing. But I don't think it gets that much higher than it for me because of how Badly, it misrepresents the Punisher. It yeah, does I was not gonna say if it beats feel... if it beats AVP, it's by just a little bit. Like you could have just edited out any sequence where he's wearing the Punisher shirt, and it would have just been like an action movie. It would have been a bad half assed yeah. action movie. It didn't feel like the Punisher. It didn't feel like a good action movie. It sort of failed on the two fronts that it needed to succeed. And, on, and so. I think that uh, the. Punisher Warzone succeeds in what it tries to do, which is it is over the top realism in the sense that like he, he like the villains are over the top, the finale is over the top, 
but it's just the Punisher killing people. There's no real... The story is very cut and dry. There's not a lot to it. It, it feels like what this movie half tried to do, and it's, it succeeds. It's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a good like it, it. It's a good what it is trying to be, which is basically a B level sort of Punisher movie. We'll get to that eventually. At some point, we'll watch Warzone. But it is crazy. Uh, I, this movie just to me fails on every possible level. Yeah, it's it's a disaster, and it's uh, its biggest crime is that it's boring. It's a boring movie about a man that guns down mobsters all day and night, and that's just a fucking shame. Yeah, I and mean, it is a bummer because you do wonder. You're like, how do they fuck this up? It's like ready made to just be a movie. Yeah. Of all the comic book films, you're, this one you're just like, ah, it translates so easy. It's the most like straightforward story possible. Well, uh, did you have anything else in your notes you wanted to talk about that we skipped? Nope, I sufficiently exhausted my rage. Yeah, I don't think there was anything else in here. Uh, there was uh, some boobs in this movie, just like one yeah. random topless shot, which I thought was an interesting choice. Pointlessly, just just in a sequence where they're like in a club, like it it didn't need to. Be it, there. Yeah, it was so bizarre that they put it in. Yeah, I don't. I, I, One of the I many mysteries of this film. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that's it then. Uh, and we talked a little bit about the all the stuff from the comic books. Uh, maybe we'll find some images to throw up on our Facebook page. Uh, you should go check it out because Ben does toss up some of the stuff we talk about, the link it to the comics. You can find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash naospod. Uh, Benjamin, where can they find you? Uh, I'm at the Disco Pony, uh, or you can look at some of my work at therealbenchapman.com. And uh, you know the rest. Yes, uh, you can find me on Instagram at itspogues. Uh, post comments on our Facebook page. Uh, tweet the podcast at naospod. Uh, I, had, I don't know if you listened to the solo episode I did last week, but we actually got a real user commentary. But it was a user from SoundCloud who didn't have a name, so it was just like a series of numbers that I had to keep reading. Huh. But they gave us an actual – they had an interesting fact, which I'll tell you because you didn't listen to it. But 28 writers were in arbitration to be credited on Catwoman. Uh, arbitration uh, is where you try to get a credit so you can get the money and the credit. I keep, 28 people were like, yeah, I know it's a piece of shit, but I really need that credit. I could not believe that's insane. One, it's insane that there was that many people who worked on the movie, but two, that there's that many people who would try to claim responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have no response. I'm baffled by that. Yeah, thing. I could not believe that when they sent that to me. I was like, wow, that is beyond insanity. So if you have comments, leave them. We'll read them on the air. Uh, our next mini episode is going to set up a, a special thing we're going to do in February. Unless Ben tells me after we stop recording that he doesn't want to do it. No, we're doing it. Okay, get ready for that big announcement. And then uh, we'll see you next week. 